The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. Hello, I'm Trevor Flynn. I'm Ben Howarth. And I'm Jack Newman. Welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. Holy God. Uh, is this... So what is this? And Gloria... So the, first, the second movie... The second movie we ever did on the, on the Movie Gang Podcast was The Hateful Eight, which I think is Tarantino's last movie. And uh, yeah, because Django came out before before Hateful Eight, and before that it was Inglorious Bastards, and so now we're doing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, supposedly Quentin Tarantino's last movie. Correct me if uh, I'm wrong. I thought he was going to make ten. Oh, he's he penultimate. Was 10. Oh, penultimate. Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. If he counts this as his ninth. He's going to make ten. And if you count on IMDb, he considers Kill Bill's movies. Uh, one movie. Okay, oh, that's, that's 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 where I'm, that's where that's what makes this incredibly confusing because I I did do that. He's he, like he always says ten, and then I go to his thing. He's like, oh, well, this is the tenth. You know, it's not. <laughs> no, right, exactly, because it's uh, confusing. But uh, he voted to re- release the original Kibble all in one thing. But uh, look, I'm no fan of the man. He's a horrible monster. But even I have to agree with Harvey Weinstein. That's too long. It's too fucking long. People are gonna sit for five hours of samurai killing. Not everybody. I will, but most yeah. people won't. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not. Great. As this film proves, you can you can stretch a length perhaps too far. We'll talk about it. Yeah. All right. All right. So obviously, this week we're talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This is a very weird uh, film for Quentin Tarantino. Or I feel like I feel like it, it definitely has his ethos, his stamp on it, and yet it seems to be kind of a departure from some of his more previous works. Uh, the summary: A faded television star, a faded television actor, and his stunt double strive to achieve fame and success in the film industry during the final years of Hollywood's golden age in 1969, Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, and it kind of it stars Brad. Pitt, Leonardo DiCaprio, Margot Robbie. Uh, Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio is this are these two sort of um, fictional. Kind of, yeah, fictional. Well, yeah, definitely because this again, this is Quentin Tarantino, and much in the same way as Inglorious Bastards, real life events. But at the same time, they're they're sort of fictionalized characters taking place in that. What is rolling? I can hear it. It's driving me nuts. It's not me. Sorry, it's me. That was me. I, I'm, I put I'm, it away. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to call you out like that. Anyways, it's fine. gambling. Someone have a gambling addiction. Can't I didn't. I didn't realize one time I was. Fl- no one told me I was flipping a D twenty on the desk in front of me, and I got into editing, and I was like, God damn it! This is, this is the worst thing ever. And that's still an unreadable podcast. Anyway, sorry, I'm not trying to give you shit, and I need to get off this topic. Anyways, Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt play kind of like these old style, like a Hollywood actor and his like you know attached stunt double kind of figure, uh, and uh, they're sort of like these guys that are sort of raging against the dying of the golden age of Hollywood and American innocence. Rep- Presented by the background of the ongoing uh, Tate murders that are about to happen by the Manson family, the Manson family murders that are about to happen, and it sort of fictionalizes their plight coming up upon the moment where they interject into the Manson family storyline. Spoilers, obviously, uh, and they eventually uh, end up killing the Manson family members instead of essentially letting them commit the Tate murders. Which is also, I guess, it's like it's these. It's essentially like in this weird sort of way is taking these 
two old world golden age Hollywood idiots and making them the hero, I guess, you know, hero is stretching it heroes of the story, trying to prevent essentially the end of the Hollywood golden age. And since the Tate murders are usually considered the end of the Hollywood golden age and kind of the end of innocence in Hollywood, uh, they're very much so tied together in sort of stopping it. So it's kind of, it's kind of this weird, weird film. It's, it's very Mm. different, but uh, let's go ahead and go around the circle. Ben, let's start with you. What did you think of this movie? Uh, yeah, weird is interesting. I liked your take about the, the they stopped the end of the Golden Age of Hollywood. I didn't think about that, but I actually kind of like that read. Right. Um, it's it's a strange one, and I can certainly see why people like it. I will say I probably watched it in I wouldn't say the necessarily the absolute worst circumstances, but to me this is like I've been recommending people like watch it on a Sunday afternoon at home. It's a great like. We're all on the couch. It's just a casual day. Don't watch it at night when you go with friends and you're like, we're all going to go drink afterwards. And you're sitting there going, when is this movie going to get over? Because I want to go drink with my friends. Yeah. My God, this movie's still going. <laughs> it's like, but it's not in that kind of like, you know, there's long movies out there. I, I imagine game is a long movie, but it doesn't yeah. feel like a long movie. It, I imagine it, that it happened to Sarah and Trevor and Peter all last week on the like, like they they all had somewhere else hardcore to be. I <laughs> still have not, I still haven't seen it, but I I just holy oh. shit. Um, <laughs> and it it is it is fairly plotless, and I don't mind a, a plotless film, but I think part of it, what I've been struggling with is it's it's almost themeless too, and and toneless almost it's really weird because you have three individual characters and each of them has kind of a different tone to their story you have Leonardo DiCaprio like fading away he's very much what people are kind of referencing the most in this movie the kind of feeling nostalgia the end of the monoculture this time and you know everybody watched FBI on Friday nights you know like it's like very much longing for that kind of era uh, and then you have Brad Pitt which is who's kind of born like a horror movie he's like going to the Manson family and, and there's this whole very long extended sequence where he's like trying to find out his friend is dead or not and then you have Margot Robbie who's like having the like I'm a young ingenue I'm just about to make it I'm so excited to live in Hollywood and the magic and the glory of the this crazy wild beautiful place kind of thing and it, it just it just was very tough to kind of jump between each character and I think it's 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 a case where Tarantino's love of structure and jumping around and interweaving storytelling that's very plot focused and his like sort of hang out, I just want to live in the Sunset Strip in the 1960s and the and, and, and just live in that world and just show Brad Pitt and all of his sexiness driving down the Hollywood freeway and just like living in the tunes and stuff. They kind of never matched for me so i found it kind of disappointing because of that even though there's a lot to like in it and it's certainly a a film by a great filmmaker undeniably um i I just don't think he ever quite got what it was about yeah um trevor what's your take holy shit um quentin tarantino is a master pastiche uh you know it's one of those movies i watched i'm like god it really like feels like i'm in the era it's great um he, for that, uh, to an extent. I'll just throw in real quick to say that he's so good at needle drops that aren't obvious. It's the best thing yeah. he ever can do. It's like he never will play Fortunate Son over Vietnam footage. You know what I mean? Right, like right, he's right. never going to yeah. be No, hacky. it's the, um, it's it's for me, it was the, the constant, like, very well-produced, like, song, uh, like, top 40 of the time 
radio yeah. commercials. The the yeah. realistic top forty, where it's like it's not the, it's not the things that we always think of from the era. It's like some the of it's kind of stupid. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. This stuff and it's but it's still it's immediately like like God help me like there it's there's a mix on Spotify. I highly recommend you go do it. It's great. Like it's it's I, um, I go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. On the other hand, um, holy shit! If uh, you're not a baby boomer. Or uh, haven't recently like caught up on the uh, minutia of like the uh, the Manson killings. Uh, you're lost. Yeah, man. Like, that's fair. Good, good fucking luck. Like uh, I went to go yeah. see this at the draft house, which was my girlfriend's idea for like you know the stuff they do beforehand, which is like a context reel. And thank God we did that. It gave me like the only context I had for the film. We still didn't like get there early enough for me to make the Manson connection until far too late into it for me. You know, I I. I know the name Charles Manson. I don't remember the names of the people he killed. I, you know, that's just how much it is alive. Uh, yeah. My <laughs> people memory, I went so. to see this with also had knew Charles Manson. One thought he was the Zodiac Killer. Right. They confused oh him God. with the Zodiac Killer. <laughs> and the other one just knew he killed people but didn't know who. Like, exactly. This film doesn't do, like, it's Quentin Tarantino right. kicking out of the fact that he's like, everybody knows Sharon Tate. You know, yeah. obviously, all my friends do. This is, well, he shows you who Sharon Tate is. I mean, to his credit, it doesn't make it. I mean, she's not a character, but, it, he but you shows don't have you that sense of dread. I think you're supposed to. You know what I mean? Like where you watch her scenes, you're supposed to be like, "Oh, it's so sad. She's going to die eventually by the end of it." Right? Like you do with *Inglorious Bastards*, where you're like, "What?" The greatest thing about *Inglorious Bastards* is why it's right. my favorite. Is that you spend the whole movie going, if you don't know the ending, you're going, "Man, this is great," but. Such a bummer. We're going to see it all fall apart and Hitler's going to get away. It's always how it has to end. And then they murder Hitler. And you're like, whoa, you could do that? <laughs> that was yeah. an option? Yeah. Yeah. That's great. It's great. Fuck historical accuracy. That's fun. Yeah. I love seeing Hitler get his face blown up. And, and I guess. I get he's trying to do a similar thing. It's like you, you're supposed to send the whole time going, oh, it's so sad. Sharon Tate's going to get it. But for one, he already did that trick before. So you kind of know what's going to happen. And two, like. If you don't know that, and you're not like emotionally invested in who Sharon Tate is, you're like, okay, some hippies came. Wait, what? What is this about? Oh, she got murdered in real life. Like, it, it, I feel like somebody who are going to find this out on Wikipedia later, you know, versus yeah. in the theater. So yeah, look at me uh, like five I'll, minutes after the credits reel. I'm yeah. gonna be honest with you guys, and this is this is my problem with Katie because we're we're like murder heads, and we do like my favorite murder, and we do stuff Sue. So I'm like, you sure to, you've read a million things? I've read a million that. things about the Charles Manson murders, and so like I'm I'm not going to pretend like I don't have enough knowledge that the moment that Sharon Tate comes on screen, my my like my I guess this is the thing. The nice thing about this is this this is, and I think your criticism is a one thousand percent fair, guys. <laughs> Like this right. is this is definitely like the movie made by a movie head about movie things. So like yes, like and it's, yes. And I'm very I, glad as a person. I'm like oh, I'm really glad I listened to a 12 part Manson podcast because when they said right. like oh where's right. Terry I knew who Terry was exactly you know I mean? exactly <laughs> exactly and that's the thing too is they truck Terry out like he's some something he's something horrible like you're supposed to recognize they totally they totally needle drop on just Terry's name and it's just like yeah, Terry I mean Dennis there's Wilson, literally you're like yeah that's right yeah. <laughs> with like the Cielo Drive thing and everything they're literally signposting for you and I oh whole yeah time yeah just yeah like, 
not putting it together until yeah. the very well, end. And I, and I guess the, my thing is like, does this, you know, in the hit in film, does that mean does film? My take is that does the question is, does film need to sign post? Does it need to do it for a broader audience? Yeah, this is not a great broad audience movie. And I think that there's a lot of people that are going to walk away from this confused for me as a guy that probably had the knowledge necessary for this. Like, I feel like it's, you're supposed to have knowledge about the Tate murders because it, it lends this background horror to like Margot Robbie just kind of going around doing Sharon Tate things. And I think that's the other thing too, is like Sharon Tate is always this figure of like, like this sad sack figure of like, it's so sad that her life and the young Angie was cut short and blah, 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 blah. It's kind of nice to see them like restore her to being a person a little bit. As, yeah. As something. They- and- I, I think they do. I think they do. Especially like, especially when you see like fucking reels of like Sharon Tate, like, you know, media coverage of her has made her into this like monolith of like, only the victim. Yeah. I see what yeah, you're saying a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I think and it celebrates I, her life beforehand, even if like, she has like barely lines of dialogue, but Margot Robbie has a great, incredible face that is very, very filmable and, right, and enjoyable right. to watch. And right conveys a lot of great emotion in it so she could carry it yeah she doesn't have that many Mar- margot margot do. robbie may be one of the greatest living actresses that is un- I, I do I, think she's I, underappreciated I, what, this is an interesting film in another way because like it is entirely she's about like she has like an oscar nomination under her belt that's fair i mean i think no, I, I, I kind of agree with him in just yeah. the sense of like it i think this is a film entirely about like the death of monoculture and like a time when stars mattered and you know it wasn't franchises it was people and you know this kind of whole thing that tarantino was like whether you agree with it or not i feel like that's what he's kind of going for and margot robbie's a good example where like if it was 20 years ago she'd be so famous yeah. she'd be so You're fucking absolutely famous, right and she would never touch a suicide squad you know what yeah. i mean like yeah she would only star in julia roberts style movies or or, or, or stuff where like she is the key marquee idol, and it's about her right. being right. this character. You, you write, I mean? you write the script for the person to play the part, and that's that's right. like you, that's exactly that's how that's like every Duke movie is. Where like, now she's famous because she has a great character she's associated with. You know, she is good. She's now Harley Quinn's on screen. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, well, oof, that's rough, man. Uh, I don't know, but I mean, is like the thing I always you look at a movie like too. Focus, which is like her and Will Smith, and they're like being hot and robbing stuff, and that made like ten dollars. You know, like those movies. Yeah, just... yeah. Poor Will Smith, he would have been perfect for, <laughs> for like. I feel like they didn't want to insult Leonardo DiCaprio because I feel like Leo's in like the height of his career right now, so he's not the person that they're talking about, or maybe he is, or maybe not. I don't know, but I definitely feel like Will Smith is somebody whose career is sort of in that like as he's making this like Gemini film or whatever. It's definitely Gemini, in like the, I don't know what the fuck it's called, like Sagittarius, whatever. <laughs> Sagittarius man. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'd watch Sagittarius. Oh, I'd watch Sagittarius Man too. I, I guess like this is the thing. I guess my thing is I agree with the criticism that it's a movie made for movie heads and also a little bit more murder heads in this I thing. Mean, that's but I think it's not my only criticism, but that's definitely the first one. Yeah, I guess my thing too is I just draw on this thing is that my nature that the, the the knowledge and this is the thing too. I understand why he doesn't signpost the whole movie, but it almost feels like this is a movie in terms of editing where you need to see the murder at the beginning of it, where this needs like a Cut to ten. Cut to two weeks earlier, which is the worst sort of movie making that I hate. But I feel like it's necessary to like, because like yeah, the thing, the thing just, is, as I'm watching this, I get this sense of horror of like of like you know of uh, Brad Pitt going around and the sense of like the Manson family is encroaching, and they're 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 using it. He definitely is using them 
as this end of monoculture element and the Manson family is the representation of that, even though that he definitely doesn't have any respect for them as people and everything else about it. But it's also like this ideology and it ties into their element of being a cultist ideology of like letting go of like capitalism in a sort of sense. And it's kind of being tied into this sense of the death of the monoculture as well. And kind of its representation of the Americana Okay, and I, and I but, but wait just a second because this is like yeah, what let's let's like dissect that a little bit. Okay, like, on, how the on. hell is uh, like the 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 trouble for me is connecting like the death of the monoculture thing because the Manson murders are like called like the end of an era, like the dark right. side of free end love of and sex and rock yeah. and roll, and the when right. it all lost its innocence. And I think just the thematics of the movie, like, and they're like class undertones, and he turns them into Marxists a little bit. It's just all very confused to me with that, putting well, that alongside, where, like, the where's Hollywood the, Where's the Marxist thing? thing? Well, like when they well, like, roll up, they and throw like, like capitalism, man, like those. Well, yeah, but everybody, like, all these but guys on TV murder and let's like kill them because they just like they get fat, you know, they're like fat pigs. Or yeah, but that's that's kind of because that's like Some the, of it's there. That's yeah. like there the thing. It's like it's not that they're fucking communists or anything against communism so much as it is like. And I think they kind of have lines to offset and separate the elements from capitalism here. But at the same time, like. Like yeah, mon- like, monoculture monoculture is representative of capitalism in its own way. It's tied inherently to capitalism. Yeah, and these yeah. stars and bankability of stars. Like, I, I, I'm so, I'm sorry in that. Like, yeah, it's it's like I know that the Manson family is definitely tied to communism in that sort of way. But I see it as more as just like there is. No, like, that's not the what stop. I'm saying. I'm saying like he makes them into Marxists a little bit, like for the convenience of like tying the two medics together. Maybe I'm still trying to figure out how the Manson family, like what his take on that is. Cause it feels like it's built very pulpy to me. Like I don't, I don't really think he has a good take on it. Here. I think, it's, I think the element here is that for most Hollywood people, the Manson family is synonymous with something like Hitler. And that's the way you're supposed to read them. When Charles Manson's comes on screen, you're supposed to see this hippie and go Hitler. Yeah. And that's something that I did do, and I feel like, and I kind of feel similarly, and that's the element here, is it's like, you get to see Leonardo DiCaprio and, like, the mono stars, even though they were idiots. And that's the thing, is, like, it's an admission that these gents were idiots, but it's also, like, glorious to see him use a flamethrower on the Manson family. At the same time, the guy who saves the day is really, like, the stunt actor who happens to be high on LSD, just kind of lucking his way into, like assassinating like the Manson family with his pit bull like yeah I, I get that that's kind of thing it just it leaves a bad taste in my mouth for me like it, the, it feels the, very the conservative found... and regressive even I just yeah I, I like all the digs little... it, like how much hippies are like you know but that's the thing about the Manson thing is like <laughs> my, it, 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 like a, yeah like Manson was like the dark side of hippiedom like people called yeah. him a hippie and like started associating him with hippies like after this, where it's like already built up in this movie, Leonardo DiCaprio's character has all this like hate for the hippie movement, and it's like this like, yeah, I guess it's going along with the death of the monoculture or the hippies, but I don't feel like yeah. the two things are tied together for me very It's also the future well, of what fucking happens to Los Angeles. Like the hippie movement kind of inspires modern Los Angeles in its own way. What do you mean? Like uh, just like changes the city, like 
Well, I, I don't know. I feel like, the, and I, this is, I know that like this, holy shit, there's so much cultural intersection here that I, I don't even know how to fucking go about it. I mean, I'm not prepared like to talk about it either. I just don't. Think no, 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 I, all right. Like, well, let me, let me lay this on you. Let me lay this on you and understand that I'm not fully prepared to defend it or I don't think I should defend it, but like elements of like, hit, like the modern scene of Los Angeles and I don't want to call them yuppies. I don't know really what particularly what to call them. Like, I think people in context usually refer to them generally as millennials and like the culture that exists there is this digression down from like the death of the monoculture the rise of hippies and urban youth that leads to essentially them and now they're kind of in control and in power in los angeles in a different sort of way where they weren't as the time and i think that's that is so goddamn broad that i will just right now say that's absolutely 1000 100 wrong but like there is this <laughs> there is this general sense that i think a smarter man than me might be able to make something out of that <laughs> ben you want to take it <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> uh, you've now officially called ben smarter than you i didn't call there. Ben <laughs> smarter than me well i mean you're very smart Ben. i'm not i don't know like there's no way out of that i was making a joke god <laughs> all right anyways <laughs> we're all done stroking ben's ego um yay, yay. <laughs> um, no, I, I think it's just i think it's just a case of i wonder i wonder if you could have the ending without the the hyper violence in this movie it almost feels like a crutch at the end you know that you you've been able to get this far and then it's like well I, i'm tarantino i gotta murder some people you know and i get the way he's going for it's like what if you know, the Mansons, he clearly doesn't even think the Mansons are cool. You know what I mean? In his opinion. They're not even cool murderers, you know? <laughs> they are, they're losers who just got lucky because they attacked a bunch of drunk people at the end, late at night. You know what I mean? And like, uh, that's, I guess, his take. And it's like, well, you know, if they had walked in on a stuntman, even if he was high on acid, he would have kicked their ass, man. And like, it, I just kind of feel the tarantino of it that like kind of, yeah, man, like if he came into like Clint Eastwood's house, he would have been like, bam, bam, he would have to death, bro. Like, I, I just kind of God, get like a little God, bit of that. Goddamn that Bruce Lee is amazing. Broiness. <laughs> I love right, which, And I'm kind of surprised he had the uh, restraint to not have Bruce Lee come at the end because it's famously my favorite story about the Manson murders. That was a favorite story. But Roman Polanski was convinced when he heard it that Bruce Lee did it, which what? my friend Kevin Scheele has yeah. like often imitated, which is like, wah, wah, like it was just coming in, <laughs> well, uh, kicking well, I everybody. Just, I just want to, I just want to get this situation clear mm-hmm. about Kevin Shield's joke because you made me sell this short. Kevin Shield is imitating Bruce Lee committing the Tate murders. The, the Tate murders. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's right, a I'm very sorry. dark I joke. Wanted, I just wanted to make absolutely clear joke. that was his joke. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's incredibly dark joke, but I love it. Um, oh, happy birthday to Kevin Shield! I think his yeah. birthday is around here. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming up soon, I believe. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so so I guess I give him straight that like they he doesn't show up and kick them all to death, but it was kind of like I wouldn't be surprised if they were going there. I I want to say I want to say strongly that I disagree. That for me, the movie having them at the end be kind of like they're not heroes they're anti-heroes in like a sort of sense of the word they're they're it's it kind of the movie is like i will give this the the theme is confused in that the movie is definitely like these guys are the butt of the joke brad pitt's character and leonardo dicaprio's characters are the butt of the joke of monoculture and watching them descend into it but it's also like this thing it's like weren't these like it's also like 
I will say it's, and this is why I think the weakness of this movie is it's also kind of in the backhand saying, but weren't it, wasn't it kind of great the way that it was? Oh, absolutely. And that's, absolutely. and that's the issue too, is that, that the softening of it is allowing them to kill. And it's like, it's imagining this, like imagine that monoculture just went on forever by watching them defeat the tape murders. And you know, it's, it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. Like and this movie definitely paints the end of monoculture as inevitable anyways, but just watching. Yeah. Them- I guess that's the point is it doesn't really change anything. It was still like, yeah. Clint Eastwood did have to go do yeah. spaghetti yeah. Westerns. He got to do Westerns in America for the rest of his career. You know, it's like, it's very, right. It's often very strange where you're like, like they shit on spaghetti westerns and a bit, and you're like, but don't you love spaghetti westerns? Yeah, it's like spaghetti westerns. Or like, made it clear that he does, but yeah, like, yeah. yeah. So no, it, it must I be characterized. I think it's, it's just, a characterization that probably was true at the time that you had, like, if you were a big star, well, and you had to go clearly, to fucking Italy to film something. Yeah, yeah probably Rick sucked. Dalton is very clearly Clint Eastwood because Clint Eastwood also starred on a cowboy show. He was on Rawhide Forever. He left. He tried to have a film career. Didn't work then he left and he went to italy and that's where his career got revived and he started directing which really revived his career in america etc etc so i see what he was doing he's like what about the weird years of clint eastwood the years no one talks about where it's like in between raw the the weird years were in between rawhide and and you know the good the bad and the ugly now that was you know 66 it wasn't 69 but i get what he's going for it's like the same kind of you can see clint eastwood also be like ah i gotta go to italy to do all this crap yeah um I'm from Rawhide, goddammit. Yeah. I, I I think I think and I think that's the the key here is just establishing that and it's like I'm pretty sure that's like I I, I think that's probably how it was thought of in the time of the industry I imagine because uh, you're shooting you're you're going somewhere else to shoot movies like they you know I'm sure they say that when people it's have to go shoot in Georgia stuff. Now. and again it's it's the industry stuff and living the world stuff that I I like a lot you know and it works better like I like Al Pacino's whole line which is like oh yeah you. You're gonna get beat up by this guy, and you're gonna be beat up by this guy, and that's because they they don't see you being a beat up uh, character. They see Rick Dalton, the guy from the other show, and like I'm better than that show. I'm like, oh, that does make sense, and that is some kind of scummy, shitty thing they would do back in the TV era, and like all that kind of little weird stuff, and like inserting Leo into old FBI episodes or uh, and into a. Uh, uh, Steve McQueen movies is like kind of fascinating and yeah the stuff I probably react to the most just as a movie fan um even though I think I like Brad Pitt's character better but not much because he's so flippin' attractive like Jesus Christ but <laughs> yeah um, Brad Brad Pitt was born they just dressed in the him wrong so time. well in this movie and he's got perfect hair and it's like ugh stop I yeah. get it you're like he's, 60 and you look amazing I, it's one of those things too where he's just like so much more attractive than Leonardo DiCaprio that I'm just yeah. Like, yeah yeah you're like wait uh, why aren't you the main star yeah, it's like, uh, none of it, these are two of the most attractive men on earth like fair enough but like it is like it is like just like I know they're both like 10s but you know one's a little bit more 10 than the other one's more just, of a 10 yeah it's 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 I, I, I don't know like it is kind of weird like and I think that's I, I think that's on purpose from cast selection with Margot Robbie as well because they do come across as these like new gods on Earth, you know. Yeah, it's an intentional irony, I think, because Brad Pitt turns out to be the hero. Really, I mean, Leo kind of comes in with a flamethrower after everything's over. So, oh yeah, yeah. And I think it's yeah. a tribute to like those people, like those old, like kind of fading like uh, cowboy actors. Like they really were. Like a lot of those guys were just like, oh, you, you came up with a horse one day, and they're like. 
Yeah, you're good. You want to fall down some? We'll give you 20 bucks. Yeah, that's exactly. Because it was. There was a lot of ranching around California, and you just, they went out and they fucking found dudes, and they're like, hey, you're a movie star now. And then you got into the acting lifestyle. The little girl with Leonardo DiCaprio is is probably a top, is one of my favorite Tarantino scenes. It is. Oh, yeah. Like, when he he reads the Bronco Buster, it's like. Best DiCaprio. He's, yeah, so, okay. I think I think I honestly think Lee, like Quentin Tarantino and DiCaprio together are like the best combination I, I, so far. I mean, I, I mean, this is I, I, you know, it's one thing he's playing a bit part essentially in like Django Unchained, uh, but fucking, he's fantastic in this. I'm sorry, like it, he's just well, he's, like there's something know. about every time he cries that is so genuinely painful and so. Risible, like easy to laugh at at the same time. That he just, is one of the funniest criers. It, it is very true. <laughs> yeah, he but is just, a deeply funny crier, and, I, and I it works. He kind of works taps for what into, Tarantino's going for. Well, he kind of taps into something that bothers me and Leo in some other movies, which I feel like he's trying too hard a lot of times. He has that kind of like, I'm serious. I'm a serious actor. I you love. Know. I love how the little girl is method too. Like when that happened, oh, so I was. Great. I was out. I, I barely heard the rest of the scene when she was like described as a method actor, and it's like this little girl. Really and I just like. I was just sitting there like. I was just like done. I was done for the whole thing. I don't know. It was really and fucking the, funny. <laughs> and the whole reading the Bronco Buster. He's reading some crappy western book and he just starts crying because it's like it's all about my life yeah like, he's he's yeah. so like slow he's realizing it now only as he like describes it it's really really it's well such done. a like simple cliche scene on paper that's just done so well yes exactly it should be and the in the moment in the trailer where he's like psyching himself up to not be a washout it's just there's some good stuff in here. I just wish it wasn't boring for me. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I guess like I guess like the sense of dread I felt all the way through this movie, and the fact that it actually pulls up. I think this is the reason why you can't not have the violence at the end of the movie. Is the movie is such a build up to a sense of dread, and then having it happen in like this crazy way, like in subverting the expectations, and like a good guy sort of go off into the sunset. Oh, Rick Dalton's gonna come over to the Tates for drinks. Like I don't know. I know it's I know. It's not as te- I'm not I'm not ever gonna say it's as technically good as like Tarantino's other films. I'm not gonna rate it that highly, but I still highly enjoy it. I think that this is a movie that has a necessary amount of knowledge. I don't rate a movie less forgiving for just having a subject that probably needs study to be able to understand. I do accept that that is a criticism for other people. It doesn't bother me because I very I very mechanically went in with pre enough knowledge to be like. Manson's okay cool I got this um holy shit that's Sharon Tate that's why they're focusing on Sharon Tate oh this is gonna get super gruesome they're not gonna kill fucking Margot Robbie on screen are they and then that sort of like pressure exists with me through the whole movie and for me on that perspective the pressure of being afraid that they were gonna kill Sharon Tate and Margot Robbie in a terrible way on screen and how they were gonna do choose to do it or that the fact that like does is Tarantino literally just gonna recreate the goddamn Manson murders horrifyingly on screen with his style and when and then when they subvert it, for me it was an, it was impactful enough that I kind of I like oh thank Christ like that was it was like when they when they pull up to like Rick Dalton's house I'm like oh thank Christ they're just gonna kill Brad Pitt it's <laughs> like that was that was the pressure that was the pressure to just such an extent they're just Pitt. gonna kill Brad Pitt and, I, and then I thought about that and I think that like for me it was a very very weird experience I think that it's trying to do a very nuanced thing I think it nails the culture element here. Uh, I agree with you that it's a weak theme. It's not, it is themed. It is a weak theme. 
I think it's inherently problematic. Not that I would take away the violence at the end, but in the trend of his like historical fantasy revisionism where he uses violence to like give us kind of this catharsis historically with like Jews killing Hitler or Django's unchained. I think it works for me, even though I it's not my favorite thing, I respect it a little more in those circumstances because like it's a really like easily excusable like metaphorical figurehead for this thing that's then taken down by this empowered like minority kind of figure whereas here we america just gets to see the manson murderers like get their genitals ripped out by a pit bull and that's like supposed to be cathartic and i just don't i don't know it doesn't work i i doesn't work for me the same way it just feels like like under, like half baked and undercooked somehow. I, I don't know. It just feels. It's not. Feels you know what? Inherently it's, more gross it, to me. It's and I think the issue is because you don't take. You don't like. I think that the core here is that you're not lining up the Mansons with Hitler, and it's it's fine for them to rip balls off and kill Nazis. Uh, but like for you, these are just some fucking people that they're murdering, <laughs> like getting their best testicles ripped off. And yeah, they're horrible, but we don't see the murders in this universe. It would be like, it'd be well, like, no, having- it's progressive. I think, I think holding up like Hollywood, it, it reminds me of, um, the Coen brothers when they did, um, hail Caesar. And it was kind of a similar thing of like the studio is the picture. Forget the communists. They're ridiculous. What a bunch of silly nuts. And like, at least the Coens are like ironic and like self-aware about it though i think this movie is missing that like amount of oh, oh I mean, it's very yeah, earnestly they're, they're buffoons, please, but, like, please do not tell me that hail caesar is a better movie than this uh, it's I more entertaining agree. it's i would agree i would agree i think it's oh better. that one hurts me that one does hurt me um i think this one's more on track for a better overall theme than hail caesar i think hail caesar is well i'll admit that hail caesar is probably funnier in bits i think this is like better put way better put together i mean there's so much in i'm not gonna debate the filmmaking there's so much in hail caesar that's just dumb guys like like oh my god all the subplots what it's great i really like hail caesar (laughs) i i I don't dislike hail caesar i'm just saying like there's so much i I don't love hail caesar Caesar. i just this reminds me of it and like at least I well, know like, where Hail Caesar stands on like its subject material. I have no idea what the fuck this was supposed to mean. And I think that I I, I disagree with that because I think you know what it means. Like or, it's or a, maybe it's it, about it the class like, of culture. Like it's it's that like you you get that it's about the monoculture. But what's it's the about statement the on it? That like wouldn't it be great if like it yeah, I think never it's happened it comes and like too. we still had monoculture today? Wouldn't that just no? Be better? That's no, not obviously what's not. being so, said. Like, it's this is going away. It is it inevitable? But it's giving it. It's kind of giving the monoculture the funeral and rites and kickass ending instead of it just fading to dust. I just, no, it's it's a very yeah. elegetic movie. I think because it is. Tarantino like reflect on him leaving and all these other things, which does make it kind of pretentious in those sense. But it's Tarantino; it's always pretentious. Um, it's, it's it's yeah, pretentiousness is like I I, 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 I never wanted to call a Tarantino movie pretentious before this. I just, oh really? 
I would say I, like some I, of them are. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I'm right there with you. He, he makes like film critic movies, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, like- I, I, I would, I like even I think I love the Hateful Eight. I genuinely love the Hateful Eight, and and I think it's a little pretentious, like oh, sometimes. Yeah. Like I'm sorry. We also did say the Hateful Eight was too long. So yeah, and, and I'll give you guys this. Holy well, shit, and, this movie is too the, long. And look, and, and it's something I've talked about. I don't know if I talked about the Hateful Eight episode, but it's something I talk about a lot, which is that. Tarantino had the same editor from Reservoir Dogs until Inglorious Bastards, Sally Minkie. She died very suddenly from heat stroke. It was very sad. And I just think she was more of a collaborator. The more movies we get from him without her, the more I think she was just way more of a collaborator. She was a huge part of it. He's talked about how much she meant to him, and like he's not shied away from this at all either. And which, like, which I want to give him credit for because it's so nice to see like, like. Being, oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah, he's one of the most like respectful of his editors guys um and i just think she was around him long enough that she could kind of rein him back and i think it may be a lot harder for someone who grew up with tarantino movies or worked with sally mankey behind her or something christ can you imagine walking into that situation really hard to be like hey i know you made this huge scene that had all this stuff but it kind of doesn't matter and we should probably cut it and this whole scene where he fights bruce lee doesn't matter at all to the story and maybe it's kind of pointless I, I, I will give you. I will give you the Bruce Lee scene is fat, and I and I still love it. That's, but it's still kind of fun. Yeah. I mean, kids, yeah. it's kind of fun. Yeah. It's a very good Bruce Lee impression. Yeah, it's I don't very, think there's necessarily a better editor this either. Like so much of it is like just this one is different in that I, time and place. So. I feel like there is a better editor of a hateful eight, and also I'd say Django. Um, this ooh, this is ooh, tough. Ooh, I. I genuinely think Django is like perfect. I'm sorry. Oh really? I'm not a huge Django fan. Yeah, I I, I, I have I I'll, I will be honest with you. I did not like Django when it came out, and I have grown to become a huge Django fan over time. That's fair. I I it is one of the most revisited movies I've revisited in the last couple of years. I've visited revisited that a lot, and I think it's I think it's very strong beginning to end. And I also think see, it's see me that that one I could do with a cut because like it has a great beginning and a great ending. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then there's a lot of middle. I'm like, yeah. There's a lot of, you know what they need? You, there's, you know how like there's that huge section where there's like, uh, where they're just like up in the mountains and they're just like, it's like a, it's like a sequence and there's a lot of fucking riding around in carriages talking to Leonardo DiCaprio. Like they need to like, they just need to have like, they need to cut down one less scene of that. And then they also need to just like, uh, they need to have like, they need to move some of the other stuff into montage and that it would be amazing. So exactly. I mean, make you very good at like, you could tell a lot of those scenes in glorious bastards were much longer and she kind yeah. of cuts them down to very, yeah. and it's also, slim. it's also like, you could tell, I could tell like the bits with Jonah Hill as like a, as like a Ku Klux Klan member with the, with the oh, hood that probably ran on for there's yeah, there's probably hours. Oh, there's a lot that. of improv there probably. Yeah. And she <laughs> probably picked like the perfect one and just shoved that, in and it's pretty perfect in that movie but it's absolutely fat it's absolutely no, editing and, and fat. i imagine this movie is similar in that like he built the sunset strip like as it looked back in 1969 so he just filmed that shit for yeah. days and days and days and so like you know there's like in like a terrence maliki way just like drive just drive around do whatever look some hippies you know like we'll figure it out later and i don't think tarantino works as well that way as part of the thing it's like i think he needs to make a way too long script and then he needs to like 
cut it down. He, <laughs> he needs to. Like really he needs to have. It. He needs. He needs to go through his three people. They cut it down. Like I imagine, he has a process where he's like everybody that he loves and trusts in his place just like cuts the fuck out of his shit, and he comes down to like where it is. Like yeah, there's like I've read some of those Tarantino like the pre-cut scripts. Like there's they exist online. You can go find them, and they're they're oh, like, yeah, like this a. Django one has a huge Brumhilda plot and like oh yeah more yeah about her and yeah. Like, yeah which ties into the German element of her name and all this other stuff it's, it's you know it's making it more closer there's like or, there's like all these elements tying him closer to like the Siegfried legend and all this other shit it's crazy yeah totally total fat just total fat on that movie that's that right would, and Glorious Bastards has like a whole ten minute sequence where like Eli Roth is like the, talks to all the Jewish people in his neighborhood and they sign his bat and it's like don't really need that you know like yeah i i i i i genuinely and, I, and i'm not a huge inglorious bastards fan and that's the thing i like i think inglorious oh, bastards it, is it, the same is my favorite so yeah that's, that's i think inglorious is the same thing with django and that like i think that like i think it has an amazing it has the best op- it has the best scene of any tarantino movie that opening scene is the best oh, scene with, with brad pitt it, no 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 with uh with uh what's his face oh of course Waltz of course yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the milk, the milk farm scene the milk farm scene because yeah, you go from the milk farm scene to the i want my scalps like two perfect scenes yeah in a row. they're yeah. great i i i i give you credit the best scenes in tarantino movies are all from that movie like the top three are all from that which movie. i've heard that complaint for which is like it's four great scenes and like a bunch of not as good yeah scenes, which it's I, like I like I, like i'm sorry the bat i don't agree but i understand <laughs> the bat scene and like the 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 vet scene and like all of the stuff with like the lady and the bar scene is great that's fine i get it like i think it's a bunch it's a series of scenes and it's very very good and i think that i think that the big problem for me is that that like everything else suffers by comparison and i think that it's just missing i don't know man i just think it's missing like one crucial reorganization and it would have been the greatest movie ever What are these? Yeah, I don't know. I like that movie. I'm not saying I don't. I don't. Like, I think that's a strong thing here that we need to say. Is that like I feel like? Do you guys? Is this like? What's your most hated Tarantino movie? The ones I've seen. This is probably down there, but I haven't seen all of them. And it's not I totally hate. I'd probably say. Probably Death Proof, even though I like oh, the idea of Death Proof. Fuck, yeah. I always forget about Death Proof. Yeah, I like, because the thing is, I actually think does Death he count Proof that is a good... one, though? Yes, he does. He, he does, does count it. was a full feature, he and he released it separately, so he does count that one. Um, it, because I like the idea, where it's like, he does, the first half is a straight-up Grindhouse movie. It's an old-school, yeah. straight-up Grindhouse movie. And then it's like, again, the subversion thing of like, and now let's have modern, badass women kill the... Grindhouse guy, because that was misogynist and terrible back then. But he also kind of lives in it, you know. Like he also did just kind of just live in it, you know. So it, it never quite—I don't know—I get the idea of it, but it doesn't add up. And a lot of that second act is fluff. It's a very good ten minutes in there, but a lot of that is fluff. So it's mm. probably death proof for me. Um, but I don't know. And and also Kill Bill, I've waned a lot over the years. It's it's again a lot of great scenes, but it's just a lot of. It feels like a lot of short films that don't quite come together. I, to I think I think Kill Bill one. I, I really genuinely still like Volume two quite a bit. I like Volume two a lot. Yeah, yes. and I, I think, think Volume and I think one is like now 
when you're a teenager, you're like, oh, but now you're like, this is excessive. <laughs> it was, it, it's it's excessive, and and frankly, it's the think, perfect college movie. And the frankly thing about Kill Bill Volume One, and I'll give him credit, uh, it it didn't. It, he, he I was into animation before I saw that movie. I think one of the things too is as an anime critic, as a kung fu, like as a kung, I was like at one time I was like the kung fu film guy in fucking college, and I think that's like as a fan of like the art forms that he's aping from kill bill does not hold any affection. The first one does not hold a lot of affection for me because like, I'm like, yeah, this is from this movie that did it a lot better. And I think that's one of those things. It's like, I do think there's strengths to it and there's strengths as an introductory element to culture. But I still think that all of the heavy plot lifting, which is very, very good is done in kill bill too. And I think it's, you know, I think that's it, it, it is the superior movie, even though that most people are just there to watch somebody get chopped in half. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. I think I, th- I still think I understand why he puts him as one, though. I think I understand it and I agree with it. And I think that is the strongest version of that script, though, as one. Yep. Yep. It's probably fun to turn to him. He can talk about his Uber all day. Yeah, yeah, and that's the strength of it. I get that. Yeah, that's that's it's the plot hole of like talking about any of this, and it's just like you know, yeah. I I, I still look, hold I, it up there, but I think that's the thing is like you know, I I definitely think this is probably a weaker Tarantino movie, but I still I genuinely like it, and I think this is the thing outside of Death Proof. I like everything. Yeah, and I I think he's also one of those guys who's just is like a, a rarity. You know, uh, it's kind of really just him and. Nolan at this point I feel like right. I'm just like right. directors with a name who can get a shitload of money just because they have a name you yeah know what I mean like, yeah the Quentin Tarantino just go to Sony and be like I want he did this he's like I want all exclusive rights to this movie I'm gonna own this movie forever you're gonna give me a hundred million dollars and it's gonna start Leonardo DiCaprio and Bad Pitt and you're like well you're Quentin Tarantino so it'll probably work you know like he's just one of the few that they could just kind of do that anymore and a lot of those guys either have given up you know, your Michael Manns was just kind of... Ah, yeah, shit, I hadn't thought about that. You Jesus. know, like, like this is very much a heat to me. This is like a similar thing of like, it's we're going to sell it on its Leo and Pitt first time in a movie together, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and Heat was just all that. It was just all the marketing was like, yes, it's three hours long, but Pacino and De Niro, <laughs> same movie together. Yeah, you it's, know? it's one of those things, too, where it's like, even like fucking... <laughs> I love how like, even like... Uh, you, you see box office mojo they're like yeah it's doing well it's like box office mojo first stat is like the tarantino showdown and it shows like the the couple most recent tarantino movies and that's the only way it's going to compare it like it's not it's not even going to talk about oh, yeah. a- anything else comparison wise no thank you yeah exactly yeah it's like, like it's like no 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 this is this is its own thing don't worry about it that's <laughs> like, literally i feel like i feel like like literally looking at the article right now they're like hand waving it's a tarantino we're only going to compare it to tarantino because we can't compare it to <laughs> anything <laughs> else don't worry about it don't don't worry about it. Don't don't look at, don't look at the puppeteer in the background. That's not. It's these are facts. These are real facts. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. It may. Huh. I didn't realize. Yeah. So it's about. Yeah. It's made by Sony Columbia. Oh man, this is the first one not made by Weinstein too. Jesus. Yeah. That that delayed this movie significantly. I was reading on the trivia like when that whole shindig happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, it, it was Sorry, definitely I probably cool shouldn't for... call that a shindig. It's probably a little flippant. <laughs> it's, it's a <laughs> little, classic, little maybe kerfuffle. <laughs> it's the movie. Um, I'm in the times. I, it's... 
<laughs> Did you get sucked uh, into a place in time, Trevor? This I movie enjoyed hearing like? people say far out in this a lot. Oh, man. Yeah, I said yeah. it like three times the next day. Yeah. I loved it. I, <laughs> yeah. To admit, I 1,000%, I mean, it gets you. I 1,000% watched this movie, and then I went home and watched a couple episodes of Have Gun Will Travel, like an old 60s Western. And I was like, oh, it's just kind of fun. It's just kind of fun. These are just kind of... I kind of miss a TV was just this wonderfully basic, you know, it's just like, literally it's like, guy, go to town, bad guy, shoot bad guy, the end. And you're like, yay, hooray. Also, I don't have to watch 90 episodes to get a story. Yeah. Also note that this made more opening weekend than Django or Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. It's his huh. highest opening ever. Yeah. Yeah. I that's kind of nostalgia. That's a little sad. That's a little so. Oh, oh, oh don't tie this to nostalgia. Sorry. This is such oh, well, a. Why is tying itself to nostalgia? Yeah, Come but it's on. such a more complicated, well put it's together. Not, it's not it's like not, marketable nostalgia. Yeah. It's don't not, don't yeah. don't tie yeah, this to Lion, Lion King. King. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like this. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, is doing a very complicated thing. It's its own original storyline, and it's own original IP talking about a history point and specifically murders in time period. It is about as original IP as this gets. <laughs> the nostalgia is so like not cheap. Like that's what I do appreciate. It's it's like who fucking references FBI? Like the show FBI. Yeah. Like who remembers that? Except for people who like grew up in the sixties watching that shit. Like that is not like if you wanted to be, like to me if you were to do nostalgia, be like they'd be watching the Twilight Zone and they'd be you know going to see Planet of the Apes. So you know they'd be like yeah. the movies everyone remembers. And Tarantino's very good at like here's the crap no one remembers but oh, yeah. me. <laughs> like here's like the. The garbage that just was part of the culture just faded away, but I right. remember it. Right. You know? Which will probably involve a lot of the things we talk like about the on the show. Like fucking Matt Helm movies, <laughs> yeah. which are like, I had to look up. They're like weird Bond parodies with Dean Martin where he was just like drunk and like, ah, Bond, man. Like that was yeah, like all they yeah. were. Those are, I like those up too. Those are actually, those look great. <laughs> <laughs> like it was they look kind of fun. They look kind of fun. I'm sorry. They, they look. They, Sharon I, Tate kicks a lady in the face. It looks kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you guys, you want to put scores on this? No. <laughs> no, it's just like flat. No, I don't want to do this. I'll, I'll, just, I'll say before we do uh, scores, I'm just curious. Do you think he will actually end with his next movie? Do you think he actually will live up to that? Or are we going to get a Brent Favre situation where we're going to... He's going to be like... Ah, I, I, I bet he will go away for like 10 years. I think he will because he's got New Beverly. Yeah. He's got the thing... He's gonna just—he's got his like—he—he's—he's he's made it as the film store guy. Like he started in the film store, talking about movies all the time. Made his own movies, became super popular, bought his own goddamn theater. He's gonna run it till he dies, you know. And they can like show all the weird movies he ever wants till then. But you're right; I think it's possible he'll come back. But I think a lot of these guys look at the industry and they're like, you know, he loves film. He likes original movies. <laughs> these are two things that yeah, are hard yeah. <laughs> to do in modern day. I think, and I—I I, I think it's possible he'll just be like, yeah. The 10 thing is a little pretentious, but I, you know, whatever. It's like, I also think, and I don't want to get. He probably likes that neatness of that too, you know? Yeah. And I think it's not a bad time for him to disappear with like the lawsuits over like Uma Thurman and stuff too that kind of happened. He's now. a little problematic. I, I yeah. saw a lot of trying to get you articles, and that's just going to happen every time. Yeah. And I think, I think that he's not, he's, yeah, he's a little I bit mean, problematic. His brand is ripe for that. So I get why that 
like you know, like, I don't know. And, and often his movies do involve violence against women. You can argue whether it's justified or not, but there are women getting hurt. I, I'm in not a lot saying of his I sympathize with gotcha journalism or whatever. But no, like, I yeah. but again, no, why it's, it's, he's, he's right, right for it. For it. No, he's he, there's just going to be people that are going to say that because people people have disagreed with Tarantino forever. It's just now that there's kind of a platform to say we disagree for I, him for these reasons. Yeah, I forgot how long ago I was listening to Unspooled podcast talk about Pulp Fiction, and when he won the Palme d'Or, a French lady's like, "You're a piece of shit," and it was like, yeah. "Jesus." <laughs> yeah. That's just been with him forever and will always be. Like he's yeah. just n- pisses people off. Right. And know? it's and that's and that's and that's a little bit, you know, chalked up like, you know. <laughs> you know, it's chalked up to his style and his oeuvre and that's just how he is and I think that um he, he I don't think he's running scared. I think he's always planned to do this, but like the fact that he might just be tired and like want to go away. I cannot see him sitting and loving cinema and being quiet for 10 years and then not oh, something comes up and he's got to get back into the fight for something. That's that's what's going to happen. He I bet right. I do genuinely believe he is going to go away after the next film and just we're not going to hear him for 10 to 15 years and then when we're 60 he's going to fucking make like something. You know, like he's going to make some fucking crazy thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, and that's I can see that. and that and that's exactly. I I honestly like as much as he's saying like I don't I cannot possibly see or he'll be attached to projects and help people and try to bring up new directors or something. I can see that. that. I see a lot of producing and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, he can go. He can go produce uh, Man with the Iron Fist too. <laughs> oh, oh no! Yeah, oh, no. RZA directing. <laughs> oh no! Oh boy! I oh my god! Movie. I'll never. I'll never. Yeah, I'll never let that down. Mm. That's a rough one. Yep. All right. All right. Who wants to go first? Ooh. I can go first. Um, yeah, I think I covered most of my thing in, in, in that it's it's tough with a movie like this because it's like, you know, I guess my score will be a, a strong whatever I end up on. Uh, I'll just say a 6.5. The strong 6.5. You know, it's not a apathetic 6.5. It's just a... A, f- a film that I think could have been a lot better than it was. Um, I do think it has some very interesting set pieces. I think it has very memorable scenes. I think it has very good characters. I mean, um, um, I've been reading kind of articles about, like, best Tarantino characters. And you look down the list and you're like, man, you just kept coming up with really interesting characters that are kind of different. I mean, there's they have a certain kind of style to them. But he doesn't repeat as much as you would think he might have, you know. And... Um, there's just a lot to, to chew on, a lot to enjoy. I just think it's it's too long, and I think the pace is just too weird. I think it's just too weird to spend, like, two hours on two days and jump ahead six months with some sloppy narration. And, like, I didn't get why it couldn't just have been three days and lead up to the Manson murders. I didn't really get why we couldn't just have better tonal shifts between yeah. scenes. I just didn't get why we had to spend so much time on things that didn't really add up to anything i'm all about living in the world but i got to live in the world and then i wanted more i wanted to go do something <laughs> it, it it felt a little bit like sometimes he was just like showing me around a set and he's like look and like yeah yeah set You're like, okay what probably, do you do on the set that is probably what yeah. it looked like yeah good job yeah um and uh do you think uh, do you think this is like this project might be a little bit like him being like <laughs> marianne like marie antoinette or not what's what's the fuck what's the eat cake lady um marie antoinette yes yeah marie antoinette jesus i don't know why that name escaped me anyways uh the uh is kind of like he like made a village and he just like went and lived there for like a week <laughs> 
like he just went for like a month. He just went and lived. He's like, yeah, I'm just gonna make a movie and go live in old Hollywood for like a couple months. Thousand percent. Are you kidding? Yeah, I think that's exactly. Thousand percent. He just like he just kind of like walk around on the Sunset Strip and be like, yeah. I did it. Like, you know, like, I'm here. No one can stop me. <laughs> exactly. I have the power. And look, I respect that. Okay, that's yeah, cool. Yeah, you know, enjoy your too. playgrounds. I, but, you know, I it doesn't mean it makes for a great movie. <laughs> I, I get where you're coming from. Uh, let's go ahead, uh, Trevor. Sure. Uh, ben said a lot about I wanted to bring up, like, narration and sh- the pacing and shit about it structurally. Um, I'm at a 5.5. It's, uh, I was mostly bored. Um, not really convinced that, uh, just like watching a good Robert or a, a Manson like documentary beforehand would like elevate my enjoyment of this. Um, yeah, I just, there, there are other movies about kind of the sixties in LA that I just think I, I'm just more comfortable with where they end up. I, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's pretty much where I am with it. I have been uh, desperately searching over here to try to find our scores from the hateful eight. Um, because I'm very curious where I did originally. And I think, it, I think it's a moot point a little bit because I do think if I went back and my scoring system, I, was more, I remember being much higher in hateful eight than I am now. Yeah. And I think that's I, the I issue. I tried to rewatch shit on when it was on Netflix and I was like, Ooh, this drags. I think you guys Ooh, were really? sevens. I, and that, and that's the thing. That's the thing. I, uh, wait, did you give a score Trevor? I said 5.5. Oh, 5.5. Okay, so you're very negative. Yeah, I was bored. Okay, all right. All right. And, you know, it's, it's a Lion King it. hangover. You get the last word. So. Trevor, Trevor's coming back from his lowest score of all time, which was... Uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive, which I think I might have given two. Yeah, no. No, I, I, I don't disagree I with that. I felt bad for a little bit, but I, I don't anymore. The more I sit on <laughs> yeah. it, the better I we had, we, we yeah. did have We did have one person on Twitter go, A one? Really? That's impossible. And I was like, <laughs> I didn't respond. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I was I did think it was really funny. <laughs> I'm not gonna send you the That comment. makes me happy. It does. I did I figured if I did send it to you, it would make you happy. Okay, see this is where we're ridiculous. Our original scores for the hateful eight, I gave it a seven, Ben gave it a seven point five, Trevor gave it a seven, Sean gave it an eight point two five, and Sarah gave it a six. Um yeah, see, I would just post posthumously that seems weird um <laughs> i would right now like to give hateful eight. Yet. i know i would like to give hateful eight an eight uh and i'd give this probably a 7.5 i like All it right. i like it i'm sorry i think no, it's fine i i think i understand i totally There's get some your good criticisms. Stuff in it. I, I totally get your criticisms i just think that the the cultural background element of it is really working for me and this really strong element of like the fear of the Tate murders being this end it's like slowly it's almost like the movie works like a countdown to the end of innocence and then gives innocence a fighting chance at the end and I think that I, I may not be I, I guess like this thing is like I don't feel like I have enough knowledge to do it but I feel like the theme jived enough with me that I was working all the way through it I was like yeah this is awesome I get it I get what you're trying to say Tarantino I still agree that there's a lot of fucking because of the violence is all packed it at the end there's a lot of like you know it, it drags a little bit it's also suffers from like three dis- very disparate people having very disparate experiences um at the same time, I, uh, I I I I really enjoyed it, and I probably would have given it a higher score if I hadn't talked to you two. So, 
Um, not to give you guys crap, you talked me down, but uh, yeah, I get uh, the Movie Gang podcast gives it uh, a six point five out of ten. That does feel low. That does feel low. I think it was. I think it was a very. I think it was a very strong movie for six point five. Oof, oof, oof. Uh, still technically a recommendation. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm hanging on. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> Come on. And, well, and, now, and, and, go ahead, Ben. I'm just well, impressed no. you haven't asked me to put a score on like any of the movies I was comparing it to yet. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I would never. I would never. I wouldn't even want to fucking compile. You wouldn't do something like that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's <laughs> a shitty thing, too. I mean, majority the majority of all of Tarantino is resting around like a 7 to a 10 for me. So it's, you know, there's... It's pretty strong. And that's the other thing about Tarantino is like, you know, he's got scenes in movies that are perfect. And that's, and that's always my thing because of the way he edits. I always find it. It's like, it's the perfect scene. And I think this, this, this movie has some unbelievably great scenes that I know. And I think it's the thing. I think just like hateful eight, I'm in Django. I'm going to revisit this movie on DVD. And, and I think that I am primed to love it more when I get, when it gets there. So, yeah, I don't know. I really like hateful eight still. So, yeah. I would rewatch Django with you. I would not rewatch Hateful Eight with you. I don't think. And I think that I do genuinely think probably now I think Django is better than Hateful Eight. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. All right. For the Movie Gang Podcast, this has been Ben Haworth. Any last words? Thoughts? Uh, yeah. Now we uh, about the movie, not for your me. life. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's been a it's been a franchise summer, and so we end with two auteur masterpieces or attempts at auteur masterpieces. This. And of course, Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Woo, baby! <laughs> Just Let's gonna go! cement uh, my uh, brain. Every into time the I ground. watch that trailer, it gets more ridiculous and oh, uh, more it crazy. gets crazy. I'll black it's gonna pull I'll black Superman. A helicopter everywhere I can. I can't see any less. I'm Black Superman. Like everywhere we go, I'm um, Black Superman. <laughs> yes, you are, Idris Elba. <laughs> Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the trailer. You're like, yeah, he is Black Superman. All yeah, right. Yeah, I'm gonna it. see it. It's like the line they love so much. They say it like three or four times just to like reassure the audience or the when shareholders. When the trailer that this came is, like, out, and then the Rock movie. added in like he is Black Superman. I'm like, they love that line. They <laughs> yeah, love that like line. A, there is an editor. I really hope there's a motherfucker on the end of that that's being cut from I'm the trailer. Motherfucker, Superman. I'm Black Superman, motherfucker. <laughs> Might be too, might be too Samuel-ish. I was about <laughs> to say, it doesn't, yeah, work. It yeah. doesn't work. It's the, yeah, they, they got the line, box. they got the line down. Yeah. Idris Elba shrugging up on his like motorcycle, like bandit jacket. Shrugging up. He's shimmying. Yeah. He's it's like, like shimmying all over that. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> fucking bondage BDSM jacket that there's no way he can move that freely in. Sorry. <laughs> I, oh, yeah. I I really like motorcycle jackets. I really like how they look on like heroes in movies when they put them on. Like everybody looks sexy in motorcycle jackets, but then you put one on, and you're like, this is the worst. <laughs> this doesn't breathe at all. It's like wearing like ten pounds of armor, and I like tried to scratch my nose, and I can't lift my arm up that high. Motorcycle jackets are not comfortable. I'm just saying, like anyone that's in a motorcycle jacket is pretentious that's all i'm gonna say that's my take on <laughs> except like actual motorcycle riding people that need the protection i'm sorry <laughs> unless you are on a motorcycle you are pretentious if you're wearing a motorcycle jacket i'm just saying sorry 
this is that's too much i feel bad oh man yeah all right uh trevor uh i said goodbye to ben don't pan uh, to me i don't uh, i don't got nothing on that <laughs> all right then for everyone here at the movie gang podcast thanks for listening uh yeah head on over to the movie gang podcast.com the, or that's the test or sorry woof, that it is technically the movie gang podcast.com on the tuscan shed media website head on over to tuscan shed.com where you can check out all our other podcasts including animania last week we just went ahead and got started on our new uh look forwards for the season you can go check out all our views and why we think you shouldn't be watching dr Sto- uh dr stone but you should be watching a show about girls lifting dumbbells uh go check that out it's f- f- hilarious sorry trevor i know <laughs> oh i don't disagree it's a great show i got katie depending on it. what you get out of it you yeah know? no i got katie into it it's legitimate now uh, katie watches it <laughs> therefore it is legitimate yeah that's exactly how i look at it if my girlfriend will watch a show an anime with me it is legitimate and everyone should watch it <laughs> that's the she's the she's the litmus test um all right from everyone here go check out all those out head also head over to uh head on over to uh uh po- you know to uh apple podcast where you can go ahead and rate and review us we'd really appreciate that and moves us up the charts we're really appreciating it also head on over to our twitter and facebook you can put post comments right there the movie gang podcast check it out or at the movie gang podcast check us out there and you can uh, give us commentary today as to why trevor is wrong and why he should definitely try it re-watch blade runner um <laughs> as always, as always. <laughs> no one's actually posted on the page about how wrong you are which is i'm gonna go make an account <laughs> why are you fishing for post? it now i don't know so i don't I know watch it i don't know it's i just, said i, I wanted to rewatch it recently. i was reaching i was reaching for an ending i'm sorry it's always the first thing on my mind i wake up in the middle of the night and i so trevor didn't like blade runner (laughs) oh my god i actually had a cat's nightmare fuel dream where like i was in a cat's (laughs) oh god god i just i'm just saying we got to be careful guys People are going to take LSD and watch cats and die. That's gonna be, that's gonna happen. It's gonna be a there will be, be news stories about people fucking clawing their faces off in cats. That's that's, that's, that's gonna, gonna happen. <laughs> I'm just saying. You gotta like that's, that's one of those movies I'm gonna be looking around, looking left, looking right. It's like that motherfucker, get him out of here. He's too high for this. <laughs> Sorry. Just have to remember the fur gets added in post. It's not on you. Ugh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you guys watched the corridor crew video about it where they were talking about it. It was pretty, it was pretty yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Go check that out. Alright. <laughs> We've talked enough. Bye guys. Bye.